on this episode of Ask LA. In a lot of our work, thinking about how can our work reflect what is unique about this place is so, so essential and so important, and plants are a big part of that. The Ask LA podcast is brought to you by the American Society of Landscape Architects. Produced by the ASLA Emerging Professionals Committee, each episode is geared to provide information and insight into the profession of landscape architecture for students and emerging professionals. On this episode of Ask LA, we sit down with Chloe Hawkins of Nelson Bird Waltz Landscape Architects. Having just reached her 10-year mark as a landscape architect, Chloe offers an exciting perspective as an artist, a self-proclaimed plant nerd, and her joy in collaboration. I'm your host, Daniel Martin. Let's dive in. Excited about our conversation today. We've got a great guest, Chloe Hawkins from Nelson Bird Waltz Landscape Architecture. Uh, Chloe is one of those kind of rare landscape architects right now that is mid-career in kind of that 10-year range. Um, But she's done a lot in her 10 years already. And she's learned a lot about plants, uh, including that plants are funny. I can't wait to hear more about that. And uh, she's learned that collaborative work is rewarding and the practice of landscape architecture takes a lot more than design skills. So those are all very important things uh, for our students and emerging professionals starting out their career to hear more about. Looking forward to discussing those. Uh, Chloe studied studio art at Oberlin College and then she went to the University of Virginia for her master's in landscape architecture. Uh, where she still uh, kind of participates on crits and does some lecturing, I understand, along with her work at Nelson Bird Waltz. Now, this is going to be a weird way to start this, but, and maybe slightly embarrassing for me, but Thomas <laughs> Waltz is my all time favorite <laughs> landscape architect. Sorry to all my other landscape architect friends. <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about what that's like working alongside Thomas. And then we'll get into all the nitty gritty because I might just edit this out because this is just for me. <laughs> okay, this is just for you, Daniel. <laughs> I mean, it's it's great, you know, he's um, he leads our practice with offices in Charlottesville, New York and a satellite office in, in Houston and also um, one in Melbourne, Australia. So he's a pretty busy, pretty busy fellow. Um, and on on the road a lot, but I've been able to to work with him quite a bit on my projects. And um, yeah, I mean, I think one thing I can say about Thomas in in terms of what um, what he sets for our practice is that he really um, just allows for other people to to lead in the office as well. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm sorry. I'm a little bit like wasn't prepared. <laughs> I know. I just threw that one out there. No, but I'm so glad uh, to hear that he's an inspiration to you. Yeah, what's really cool is I do a lot of work with Labash, the Landscape Architecture Student Conference, and mm-hmm. and he has spoken at a few of those, and it's so inspiring to see him come to those events. And he doesn't just come in, speak, and go home. He comes in for the entire three day event. He's on the dance floor. He's in the photo booth. You know, he's everywhere. He is 100% fully engaged with the students. And it's very inspiring. And it means the world to them that yeah. that he does that, you know. And so I can only imagine that in, in the work environment that he's the same way with his employees that he's giving and and, and listens and, and takes care of his people. So yeah, it's good I to hear. Yeah, I think that's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now we'll get on to the real interview. Okay. <laughs> Sorry to put you on the spot like that. Oh, it's okay. No, my boss is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not true. <laughs> All right. 
So one thing that uh, I find very interesting about you, Chloe, and what I know, and this is very cool too, because we don't really know each other. This is really our first time getting to know each other, which so often when we do these, I I have some sort of background with the people. So this is going to make it a very interesting conversation for me. Um, You have an art background, like we mentioned that you got your studio art degree at Oberlin and then moved into landscape architecture. Um, How, you know, Landscape architecture is where art and science come together. So Mm -hmm. having both sides of that so strongly, how does that help you in your career? Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I think that when I first started, even in school, um, it was a help to me because I had experience in undergrad through the process of, of making work and showing work. Um, the design critique is, is an integral part of an arts education. Um, you have that experience of putting yourself out there for criticism. And so I felt comfortable doing that in the landscape architecture studios throughout my education because I had had my first experience being burned in, in, in undergrad where, you know, you put something up and just thinking, I can actually remember the, the piece that I made and it was awful, you know, and I, and I put it up and everybody tore it apart. And I cried, you know, and then I kept on going, kept on making work and, and realized that it wasn't about, um, wasn't about me and, and how to strive for good work and not take things personally. And, and part of that is just is feeling free to, to make more, to make freely um, without criticizing yourself, um, to be able to know when you can do things better and then to just to not take things personally. The, so the critical thinking, that's great, because that's one thing that most landscape architecture students learn in school, and you had that already. Do you find, uh, for me, it's easier for me to be criticized than to criticize? Hmm. <laughs> Was that difficult for you, to the critical thinking and, and, and <laughs> ripping apart other people's work? Does it, it say feel something good bad about me your... if I say no, that I find it easy to criticize? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> I feel like there's only one answer that makes me seem like a good person, but... Um... <laughs> No, I mean, I think for me, it's it's actually uh, to to be critical and to receive criticism is is really about healthy dialogue, and not couching things in terms of good or bad, being a good or bad person, doing good or bad work. Um, everybody's got an opinion, right? And the point, especially in uh, design practice, is is to come out with with a good collaborative work. With, with um, the work is, is by nature collaborative, and that requires good design dialogue and because of that it requires being able to talk about things that are are not successful or are not difficult um so yeah no i don't i don't as my colleagues will probably tell you and everyone in my family i don't really shy away from expressing an opinion <laughs> but i also don't believe that my opinion is right you know i mean of course i you have to balance having confidence in yourself and confidence in in what you believe with the humility of um, not believing that you have necessarily the right answer. And I think that's especially important for people working in design professions, especially landscape architecture. Right. That seems like something important for our entire world right now and uh, mm-hmm. in scenarios that are going on. Um, what was your medium in art school? Um, I, I, you know, it was the sort of general education at the beginning, um, doing, a, like, did a lot of sculpture um, uh, drawing and printmaking. And then I did a senior studio thesis that um, was all installation art combining multi um, multimedia and really 
about experience. And I think, you know, looking back on it, I'm like, oh, well, it's isn't it funny that I didn't really know about landscape architecture at the time because what I was most interested in was creating space and, um, and creating uh, an experience for people. And I was using natural materials. So I was making um, sculptures and molds and beeswax. Um, I had this whole series that was big piles of dirt <laughs> and looking at the <laughs> angle of repose. Um, and I was bringing uh, dried flowers indoors and creating these sort of like meadow installations. So um, I've always been interested in kind of uh, plant materials, um, just the raw material of earth and light and the interactions in space. Um, so yeah, I, I had such a great experience at Oberlin and, and um, you know, I think often of professors that I had there, Nanette Yunuzi-Masias and Johnny Coleman, and Donnie Col Donna Coleman, a painter in the community who I taught um, uh, art education courses with. And um, yeah, it was, a, it was a fantastic community and great experience there. How much do you find yourself bringing in those experiences, like those installations, that artwork you were doing into your landscape architecture work? Do you do you tend to lean towards bringing art into your projects or? You know, I mean, that's an interesting question. I think um, the, I mean, we have worked with artists on our teams before, um, specifically um, Mill Ridge, this uh, new a public park in Nashville, Tennessee, which is going to be starting construction soon. Um, uh, and that has been a really wonderful experience. But I really tend to think that landscape architecture itself is the art. And that that is really why I sort of gravitated towards this career is um, feeling like this could be a, a career for me that would allow me to integrate all of my artistic education, really practice art in a way that's also integrated um, with service and with uh, more diverse kind of teamwork. So you mentioned when you were doing those, some of those installations that now seem very landscape architect-like, but you didn't know that at the time. When did you first find out about landscape architecture? How did that happen? Yeah, so, you know, it's funny because my dad is an uh, was an architect. Um, and he, uh, I mean, he, I think a lot of his design sensibility, I really feel an homage to him. He was um, inspired by Shaker architecture and um, very much into simple and elegant construction. But I didn't find out about landscape architecture from him. And I didn't find out about landscape architecture when I was in college um, practicing studio art. I actually came to know about landscape architecture after undergrad. I was living in New York City in Brooklyn. And um, I worked on a number of different jobs simultaneously. I worked um, for a um, cabinet maker and I worked for this small childcare collective that was based in Park Slope with um, a consortium of a few families. And um, most of the parents in the families were architects. So I was working with them at this time in my life when I was kind of just out of school, grappling with no longer having access to the resources of an institution in terms of printmaking facilities and photography studio and just having an artistic community. And I was struggling to make art in my closet, <laughs> which wasn't really going very well, um, and, and freelancing uh, with some arts publications and, and taking care of these wonderful kids. Um, and uh, those parents really introduced me to landscape architecture because we take a lot of long walks and um, they would help, they really helped me a lot to think about what was next in my career. And, and I have to say too, that that was really, um, that 
career direction for me was emphasized by being in New York City and spending so much time in public parks and in design landscapes that I really came to think of places like Prospect Park, for example, as yes places. Um, when you're working with kids in a, a big city like New York, especially really small kids who, who like to run and don't know yet even the boundaries of their own bodies, you have to say no a lot. You have to say no, you have to say stop. Um, and so I really came to respect a lot of the design landscapes and cities as, as places where you can say yes um, and, and developed respect for those as, as places that were intentionally designed to provide um, respite from the urban condition. I have a four-year-old grandson, so I'm very familiar with the, the no. <laughs> 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 Need to take him to more parks. That's great. So, so that's the time when you found out about landscape architecture. How long then until you decided to, to go to Virginia? Well, I, you know, let's see. When I look back, I guess I was in New York for about three years. And really, just in that last year was when I, I think I really came to understand landscape architecture and think about it um, seriously as um, a a career path that I could pursue. I mean, I also say here that I, I worked with this group of families for um, the whole time that I was in New York. When I was first there, I worked with them when they were still a childcare collective. And then the kids got older and I kept teaching, teaching the kids um, art courses while I worked for us um, uh, as a studio assistant for a sculptor in Soho. And um, so I think that, you know, they had introduced me to landscape architecture, but I was still at the time thinking about pursuing a master's degree in studio art. And that there were a couple of factors that made me sort of pivot away, away from that. Um, you know, one was that the, art, the artist that I worked for is uh, related to a very, very famous American artist, um, comes from a lot of money. And I was looking around me at the, the colleagues that I had in studio art from Oberlin who were still practicing art and it seemed like most of them also had some financial support from their families um, and then i was kind of involved in different arts communities in new york city and some of the ones that i really respected the most and was inspired by there was this one that still exists called flux factory uh, which is an artist um, commune and community in queens and they had really amazing shows and events and I learned that a number of those people had um, master's degrees and were still sort of living in this <laughs> in a way that did not appeal to me, even though I loved the, the work they were doing. Um, and so I was realizing that for me, I, I needed to have a career where I could have income because I don't have that financial support from my family. I've got lots of love and other types of support, <laughs> not money. Um, and so that's why landscape, I was like, okay, landscape architecture, again, it seems like this, this field that will allow me to practice art, to practice as an artist, um, but to have a little bit more security as well. Um, and I have to say, you never really know what you're getting into when you start a new career that you know nothing about. You just sort of like, right. you know, got to go for it and then, <laughs> you know, cross your fingers and, and hope for the best. You know, I, I think I, I, I had a feeling, but I didn't really, really know. So once I decided I wanted to pursue landscape architecture, all within the same month, I decided I wanted to apply for grad schools. I met my now husband um, at a wedding off the, in the Orcas Island off the coast of Seattle. I moved from New York to Boston with him four weeks after we met. 
Um, yeah, and I commuted for a while, still working for the sculptor that, <laughs> that I was working for. And then I worked three oh. jobs in Boston while I applied for grad school. <laughs> and then within the year, we had moved down to um, Virginia here in Charlottesville. Yeah, so it all kind of happened wow. really fast once. Some a of hectic this. time in life. Yeah. But it all worked out. Put you in the right, on the right path. It all worked out. Still here. <laughs> still with that guy. <laughs> Doing That's great. <laughs> so um, I never thought about this listening to you talk about the art world either you're incredibly wealthy and it's a hobby mm -hmm. but a career but you can support yourself or you're living that starving artist lifestyle or you teach I mean those are your your choices yeah in the I world. mean I, I think that perhaps that there's there's a lot more hybrids than than that simplification might okay. um might say okay. but i do think that that's a good like a good summary of what the the major tracks are and i mean essentially i think with with developing yourself as an artist time money is time and time is money you know if you mm -hmm. you need to have time to develop um yourself and and your work and um, depending on your medium you need to be able to finance that in some way and there are lots of different communities of artists who um you know work other jobs um and keep focusing on their work actually romare bearden is one um article african-american collage artist based in new york um you know has been passed away now for, for many years, but um, I've always been inspired by his work and and learned that he was a he worked as a social worker for you know mm. uh, many decades of his life as a working artist. So I think you know it's possible to do both um, at the same time. But I have to say that like just as I've been reflecting on uh, art practice, I've actually spent the last couple of years trying to get a daily art practice back into my life. Um, I. I think that the practice of landscape architecture has now helped me to be a better artist. Um, and I still think that, that, that art is very much integrated into the, the practice of landscape architecture. Um, but I, I've learned so much through practicing that affects now how I structure my time, the discipline that I have if I want to study something in particular, uh, painting or drawing. I feel much more confident in um, just any ideas that I want to pursue for myself. Um, I know how to structure my time. I'm better at not judging what I do and feeling more free with just making a lot of stuff. You know, 90% of it can be, you know, ugly. Draw, make, make ugly drawings all day. You know, at least you're making something. Um, right. So I think there's, there's a lot that I've gained from um, design practice that has now, I think, um, really improved my artwork. In this podcast, we talk to landscape architects from all different backgrounds about how ASLA helped advance their careers. Ready to find out how ASLA can help advance yours? Just head over to asla.org join. At every stage of your career, the American Society of Landscape Architects is the first place for you to connect, advocate, and learn. Connect with peers, mentors, and industry leaders with exclusive networking opportunities through local chapters and professional practice networks. Gain nationwide exposure with FirmFinder, JobLink, and the ASLA member directory. Learn with ASLA's extensive online learning library and access to member e-newsletters, blogs, and the award-winning Landscape Architecture magazine. Advocate for your profession by taking part in ASLA's I Advocate campaigns on issues ranging from licensure to climate change to transportation. 
To find out how to join, visit asla.org slash join. Again, that's asla.org slash join. You end up uh, at the master's program, starting a new career. Was it everything you dreamed immediately? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, I had to say, so we, uh, um, so I just had my 10 year, uh, anniversary of graduating from, from UVA. And we had a very random last minute 10 year uh, anniversary Zoom call with my class. <laughs> um, one of my classmates, Fong Fong, literally on the Saturday before the Sunday we met, sent out an email, hey, it's been 10 years, do you all wanna get together and, and talk? <laughs> and we did, and it was so fantastic and wonderful. And I, and I mentioned that because um, I remember from the very first just being so excited about the people that I was in school with. I mean, your classmates are such a huge part of what your experience is. And, and I say the same thing about colleagues in whatever office that you're in. You know, who are the people that you're around every day? How, how do they make you feel? Is there a spirit of, um, of friendship? Is there a spirit of, of um, collegial creative dialogue? Um, and I really felt that at UVA. Um, when I was at, at UVA, the, the, um, uh, there was a, it was for our summer session, which is when you come in, I think most schools have this in the summer, June or July, in order to sort of rapidly learn all the skills you need in order to be able to be a design student. And our building was under construction for the um, entire summer. So we were literally working in a construction zone. So for that summer, it was a little bit unique. Um, a lot of our a lot of our experiences were outdoors. So we took a lot of field trips to Richmond, to um, Washington, D.C. Um, yeah, so it was, it was a pretty memorable time. <laughs> <laughs> so what uh, classes or studios got you the most excited? What type of work when you were at school? Um, let me think. I mean, I think just generally I was super excited by the design education making things in multiple media constantly. Um, but I will say Julie Bargman had a big influence on my life of Dirt Studio, and she actually was my first job out of school as well and continues to be a friend. She um, uh, created a, a, cor a course at UVA called Planted Form. So um, I mean, we had plants. I studied with Cole Burel, and that was, a, you know, I mean, that probably should have been the first thing that I mentioned. We would have um, uh, four-hour uh, field trips, sometimes all-day field trips every week, learning the plants of, um, of Virginia, of the Piedmont ecology here. Um, so that was just an amazing break and also a mental health break because being in design school is such an intense experience. It was really amazing to be able to get out into the wider landscape and explore. And then in Julie's class, um, really taking the plant knowledge and thinking about things spatially. Um, one thing I appreciated about that class that has also influenced my own teaching and the way that I think about um, teaching and other other projects is the idea of having having really short assignments. And this is something I feel like you can do for yourself even after school. It's sort of like design exercises that are thought exercises. Um, but Julie had one assignment that I remember really well, where she asked us to design a landscape in the environment of the home that we grew up in. Um, and so for me, that was a floodplain forest in, in Kentucky, outside of Louisville, Kentucky. Um, and it was just everywhere, you know, the, the kinds of sites that people used were from all over the country and really different ecologies. And it was a one-week assignment. And I think that um, I remember a lot of the work of my, my, um, my 
my classmates that came out of that and it was really powerful stuff. So I think that there's, you know, there's a lot that you can, um, that you can achieve by having short exercises and also by making it personal. You know, it's like, I think that we have to design in a lot of ways for ourselves, just as much as we have to design for other people and, and really practice um, kind of radical empathy with, with all human beings. Um, but it's important that we believe in what we do and have a connection to design that, that's intimate and that's personal as well. So you worked with plants in art, start school and loving the plants call you a plant nerd as a, a term of endearment, not a, not a yes. knock. I think that's great. 100%. Yeah. But so much in landscape architecture schools, I visit a lot of schools uh, each year, 12 to 15 landscape architecture programs here I go to. So many schools are not getting into the horticulture aspect of things at all anymore. They're working on much larger scales. How important do you think that plant knowledge is to your daily work? I mean, to me, it's important because I care about it and I, and I believe in it. I mean, I think that the, the shift away from horticulture is, um, I mean, I, I think it perhaps it's different from for every university, but there's some aspects of, of the, the redirection of focus that are positive. I mean, a lot of schools are thinking more broadly about the systems aspect of, of landscape architecture, ecological systems, um, urban ecology, um, urban systems and infrastructure. And that's a huge part of what we do. And I think that the, perhaps that aspect of how landscape architects can be of service, um, even though that was such an integral part of the work that Olmsted was doing um, with the, his work at the Emerald Necklace in Boston, and even in Central Park, it's not just green space, but how green infrastructure and the service that that provides for cities, um, that, that, that focus on systems is also important. Um, but for me, I, I do believe, and I mean, 100% self-professed plant nerd, I do believe that plants are very important. And perhaps it's not important to know every single individual plant. That's impossible. But I think it's important to cultivate a love of plants and understanding them. I actually have, uh, I've taught plants at UVA this past semester um, as part, it's integrated into part of this other course. Um, but my introductory lecture was called Plants Are, are People, Plants Are Our are Systems. Um, gosh, there's one other one that I'm forgetting. But to understand plants as individuals um, with, you know, it's like when you, like my friend Dara Douglas, who I went to high school with, I ran into her on the street in New York City years later. And I was like, oh my gosh, Dara, what are you doing here? You know, I feel like it's that way with plants too. If you know them and you know where to find them, then when you see them in a different location, you'd be like, wow, I didn't know that you grew here on the side of this mountain, Geonanthus virginicus, you know, and down by the stream. Amazing. So it's, it's you can kind of relate to them as friends in that way and have an appreciation for their individual characteristics, their form, and their resilient characteristics as well. Um, but plants are also part of specific ecologies. Here we are in Piedmont um, in Virginia. And you know every plant has a role in this in this system, um, so I think it's you know understanding the the kind of individual and the connection to the larger is what really is fascinating. Um, and one of the things I think is so important is that you know, you learn you know how to learn plants. So you know every project is different. I know the plants of Virginia really well, but I don't know the plants of California really well or the plants of Texas very well. But I know the kinds of questions that I want to ask. And um, as 
uh, designer, I, you know, in a lot of our work um, at MBW, thinking about how can our work reflect what is unique about this place is so, so essential and so important. And plants are a big part of that. Um, plants are a big part of the, the ecology and how that gets integrated. Um, and choosing plants that will succeed um, in the design landscape. So yeah, so how to learn them is, is really important. You know, I don't think everybody needs to be as much of a plant nerd as me, but I welcome <laughs> all plant nerds. Do you at NBW, um, do different designers have specialties? Like, do people come to you when they need plants and they go to someone else when they need, you know, some other system? Or, or is everybody in general knows everything? How does that work? That yeah, I, mean, I think at MBW, people do have a, in generally a good widespread general knowledge. And yes, people do come to me for plant, plants questions, but I'm not the only person in the office who loves plants or has, has that knowledge. Um, I think people just know that I love to talk about it. And we'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll welcome any, any sort of recommendation question um, to, to think about whatever your unique challenges are. But there are people in the office, you know, some who have more experience in, in construction de detailing, some who have more experience in master plans. Yes, I mean, every, no designer, we should, it would, wouldn't it be so boring if we were all homogenous and had the same right. backgrounds and the same experience. Um, right. But, but no, there's not, um, you know, I don't think there's people in the office who are like, this is that person, they do only this. And when you work outside of, you know, you do the California project, do you bring on local consultants? We do sometimes. Um, so this project in California, um, uh, yes, there, there is an, actually an ecologist on the team for that. Um, so we do, I mean, this gets at a, a point that I, I can't emphasize enough, which is that the practice of landscape architecture is by nature collaborative. And um, we don't know everything. I think that we're so good at um, synthesizing uh, complex complexities um, in sort of under this umbrella of aesthetics and, and experience of space. Um, right. But we need, we need experts um, and who bring knowledge to the table that will influence, influence the design. So yes, yeah, so we have um, ecologists on the team, horticulturalists. Not every project has the budget um, or the program that's been requested by the client to support that, but it is a big part of a, of a lot of the projects that we have. Outside of plants, what do you get the most excited about, about landscape architecture? Hmm. To think about that. You know, I think that for me, so much of what I get excited about is actually perhaps less of the end result and more of the process. At MEW, I feel so fortunate to work with amazing colleagues. I mean, there's not a single person I work with who I'm like, mm, I don't like that person, you know? <laughs> That's good. I really, I really get so much joy from my colleagues, inspiration, support, um, and and um, I've learned a lot. And I feel the same way about the, the client teams that I get to work on, some of which are more complex than others. Um, that, that experience of dialogue and learning, I think learning is the thing that I'm most excited about because every project offer, offers this opportunity for learning. And I think for me, that's just so important to me to continue to grow, um, to, get to continue to grow as an individual and a practitioner and to just have things to be joyfully curious about. 
joyfully curious. That's a great way to put it. How do you continue to grow? I'm going to jump around here a little bit. Uh, what, what do you do to continue to improve yourself? Books, podcasts, reading, you know, what do you do? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I feel like in, in recent uh, years that's, there's been, it's been so, um, and this might sound a little bit strange, but I think for me actually cultivating uh, an artistic practice outside of work has actually helped me then grow better at the office. Um, I'm in this role now 10 years in where I'm an associate and um, things have been really busy and it's been so like fast moving and really exciting. And um, I think that when when the pressures are on and when there's a lot of work going on, I think that it's really helpful to find ways to be quiet and um, have everything that you're learning and your practice be able to sink in. Um, so I think for me that that goes to hobbies and um, that just recognizing that things that may not seem directly related to landscape architecture are of course gonna affect your practice. Um, and, and how you can really absorb everything that you're learning and continue to bring this kind of sustained um, enthusiasm for it. So I think, you know, I've been painting a lot and drawing a lot, and it's gonna see, you wouldn't be surprised to find that it's plants focused. Um, but, um, and, but for me that then, in order to do that, I have to really embody this sense of, of observation of the world around me and of being present. And um, that definitely then affects the kind of focus and that sense of being present and continuing to try to bring this, like, again, joyful curiosity, but kind of incisive observation and to, to my design practice. Oh. And does your love for plants spill outside of work? Oh, it's everywhere, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at this still life of weird cactus shapes on my desk right now. I have... <laughs> A garden which I just um, made even more massive, um, a perennial garden at my house and vegetable gardening. Um, it's, I was actually reflecting on this with some colleagues the other day. A number of us in the Virginia office, I think that's a lot of it is because we have space here. Um, a number of us, most of us, I would say even garden. And um, I think that have, having a gardening practice and own grounds for experimentation on your own property, I mean, it's just like this world's for the kinds of questions and knowledge that I'm able to bring to, to design practice. Um, so yes, I mean, my husband makes fun of me because the first thing I do in the morning is I go outside with my coffee and I stare and see what happened. <laughs> what happened last night? What are you guys up to? <laughs> did, any, did any leaves unfurl? What are y'all talking about? No, are there any new flowers? And then I do the exact same thing multiple times a day. Uh, moves from one side of my house to the other and I, I just never get tired of it. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Ask LA. Don't miss part two of this interview on our next episode, where we get to know Chloe and some of her work projects a little better. Be sure to subscribe to the Ask LA podcast on iTunes, Google, or your podcast service of choice to catch every episode. For more information about the great work of the American Society of Landscape Architects, check out ASLA.org.